Hello and welcome to In The Clock End, an Arsenal podcast with me, Steve. And as always, I'm joined by Calvin. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm all good, Steve. How are you keeping, mate? All good? I'm not too bad, not too bad, mate. For the second time only, we've got another guest on tonight. We've got Liam uh, joining us all the way from the Netherlands. Welcome, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's uh, should be fun one, I think. Yeah, there's a lot to get, lot to get stuck into in there. <laughs> Even just from last night. I know good we're covering David. both yeah, United and, and the Wolves game. But yeah, last night, crikey. I think you could do a, a day podcast, no problem. So let's just get straight into the football. We've got Man United and Wolves to talk about tonight. Um, let's jump into Saturday's game. I'll come to you first, Calvin. What are your thoughts? Weird one to kind of assess, isn't it? Um, you're kind of frustrated because you could have won the game. But at the same, you know, you, you know, on the other hand, you're kind of looking, we could have lost. Um, so kind of, it's one of those games you come out of slightly frustrated, but ultimately on the balance of things, probably a fair result uh, upon reflection. And I think, again, with the, with the hindsight, you know, going into the game, Steve, we were texting before. And shit, you know, I was shitting myself, to be, to be perfectly honest. Um, with the lineup, wasn't quite what um, we were expecting, especially with the, you know, last-minute dropout for Saka. But yeah, I mean, it was yeah mixed reviews, really, after that game. I wasn't quite sure how to feel. Um, I think, ultimately, I felt like it was an opportunity missed. Um, that was some of how I felt after the game, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I remember texting you before the game saying, I take a draw right now, which is pretty pessimistic, but <laughs> like you touched upon there, the lineup really concerned me. Uh, Liam, yeah. uh, what did you make of it, mate? I sort of compared it, I guess, to a bit of a boxing game, really. It was sort of two two fighters, a bit standing off each other, sparring, if you like, mm. uh, a couple of big hits, but no one really... No, it was one of those that it goes the full rounds and no one goes down. Um it was just ultimately this big tactical battle. Both sides had brilliant chances. I mean, how how close was Cavani on two occasions, mm. a maximum of five inches combined? Um, and then Lacazette at the other end, it's the bar uh, from, a, from a free kick. It really yeah. could have gone either way. I think if you asked me before the game, I'd have taken a draw. Mm. If you'd have asked me at half-time, I'd have absolutely snapped your hand off for a draw. And it's only really after full-time I kind of go, hmm... I'd have liked three points because we were so close, but in the same breath, man, am I relieved Cavani didn't find the back of the net. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's interesting because you know, in, in the week that, that leading up to the game, I was pretty confident. Um, like Calvin said, it, it wasn't until the, the team came out, obviously no Saka and Tierney, uh, huge blow for us, two of our best players. We knew Bamiang was out. There was a feeling amongst many Arsenal fans that you know, we should have won the game. Listen, let's let's be fair. We we had some great chances, but like you just said, uh, Liam you know, Cavani had some unbelievable chances, and I feel like Man United will probably le- walk away as well, feeling like they should have probably won the game. So, I think on the balance of play, a draw was a, a fair result, um, and I think it was a shame because if, if we'd have had the likes of Saka, Tierney, and Aubameyang, um, we could, yeah, who, who knows what could have happened. My biggest concern was was the bench, to be honest, just because if we were in, in a position where we were going to be chasing the game or we needed to, to mix things up, we just didn't really have a lot there in quality. Um, obviously, William came on half time and then Odegaard. Did anyone else come on? Or was it, did he make the two? Yeah, Odegaard right, came on. And Ketcher came on, I believe. Uh, yeah. Was it Pepe? Was it, yeah, it was Pepe. 
think. Do you know what? Yeah. It's funny because when we do these double headed speeds, they kind of just start to forget about the one before. And I think so much happened in yesterday's game, it's hard to kind of reverse your mind back to the game before. But how did you know overall? How did you feel after the game, Steve? I mean, it's it's funny what what Liam says. You can't help but think if you were a Man United supporter coming out of that game, looking at the chance that Cavani had, and I'm talking in particular the one which God knows how he missed it. Um, and if that was one of our players with that kind of chance, you would probably feel a little bit not downhearted, but a little bit disappointed you didn't take the three points. So I think you know coming out with a draw is not bad. Um, but is that kind of how you felt yourself, or? Yeah, no, definitely. I think both teams will feel like they probably should have won the game. That that Cavani chance was was on a plate for him. Mm. Um, it, it looked like it was harder to miss than it was to score. I also think it was unfortunate that our best chance fell to Willian, who had a very good opportunity. Um, and there was a few moments in the second half where, and I, and I thought he had a really good game, uh, Pepe. There was one incident where, I think it was in the second half, he got into the area and he took the shot, put it wide, but we, he had Lacazette wide open. And it was there was just a few sort of key moments where I think we weren't maybe assertive enough or sharp enough in delivering that that final ball. Liam, any, any, anything to add on that, mate? Not particularly. I mean, I think Willian actually had a pretty decent game by all accounts when he came on. Um, I think he did more of what Arteta would have been looking for in just trying to pen back Wan-Bissaka and keep them more in their half rather than Campton hours. Um, yeah, I mean, an informed, more confident William probably scores that that chance he gets. If it falls to Aubameyang, I'd be more inclined to think he would have scored it. Mm. Um, it it's one of those, it really could have gone either way, but for both teams, it really is one of those games. And that's why, as Carver says, it's just so hard to judge and, and know how to feel after it. Is that not worse, though, do you find sometimes? Not knowing how to feel after a game. It's kind of like, I mean, I want to feel some ecstasy or I want to feel fucking disappointed about what's just happened. But you could, the last two games, I've literally come out. Look, there was a lot of feelings after last night. But, you know, you come out of these games and you're just like, I, I, I don't really know how to feel about that. But just on the back of that, though, there was, you know, the positive I did take, though, was, you know, looking at, you know, upon reflection, when we were talking about the lineup, Steve, and we were pretty panicked, it did all right. Um, it did better than I thought it, it was going to, for sure. So did I kind of took that. Sorry, did, sorry to interject. Did you call me Stephen? No, I called you Steve. <laughs> I thought you called me Stephen. <laughs> you, you haven't been a naughty boy just yet. You only get Stephen when you're in the doghouse. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree, mate. Um, I thought, I, you know, do you know what? I thought the team did very well. Um, there was a lot of individual individual performances that we can be proud of. Thomas Partey probably had one of his worst games, but I thought all round we, we were pretty solid. Mm. To be honest, defensively as well, looked very good. Luis had a really mm. good game. Holden had a good game. Cedric, Bellerin. Yeah. It was one of those games where I just felt like a little bit relieved that we didn't lose because I was a bit scared before the game and I fucking hate mm. losing to Man United. So as much as I'd have loved to have beaten them, I'll take a draw over defeat any day of the week. Just going back to that William chance you mentioned, Liam, and I don't know whether either of you felt this, Never watched a professional player look so ner- like really nervous uh, when the ball came to him. It's like it'd be like putting any of us three in that position for the first time. Your legs go a little bit wobbly. He just didn't look comfortable at all, and the first touch was so bad. Or was it probably one of those touches you say sometimes it's too good because it was just stuck underneath his feet and he couldn't quite dig the shot out. Just you know when you get those instant kind of feelings when you're watching a game, like those little just words that pop into your head, like there was. 
for example, what I'm thinking of here is there was a moment last night that Jacko, I'm sure you'll remember this, went full Jacko and tried to hack somebody down to stop a counter attack. And I just, oh, Jacko, Jesus Christ. Like that instant kind of thought. And I just, that William chance, I was just really taken back by how just unconfident, or there was just no confidence to, you know, his convictions to what he was going to do when it got to him. That for me was glaringly obvious uh, and a little bit frightening actually but did, did either of you notice that at all when he tried to take that chance no i can't i can't say I remember it was, too, it was too long ago at this point but i mean it's the sort of thing that everything you described there is exactly what happens when you're out of not only out of form but just out of confidence this guy's mm-hmm. had two shots in his entire what 20 odd games for us um prior to that so i mean you, you've got to get confident by getting these efforts on goal. And sometimes you just need one to go off your ass before it, before you actually start to remember, oh, hold on, I can play football. Yeah. Um, I know how to take that chance next time. Um, mm. Obviously, I, I, I think he should have done better. Ulti- that's what it ultimately boils down to. But yeah. it, it is, ulti- it, again, it's just what happens when you're so out of form and so out of confidence. Moving on to um, Kieran Tierney, uh, we've seen before you know, how he has been riddled with injuries and he struggled with with fitness and consistency. Um, not not on a performance basis, he's been one of our best players. Are you guys concerned at all by the ongoing issues with Kieran? Um, you'd have to say yes. In his short tenure at the club, um, I mean, he arrived injured, didn't he? If I'm, he had a, uh, an ongoing shoulder issue, didn't he? Or something to that effect. And, you know, he was out for quite a bit of last year. He's in and out this year. Now, look, is it if he needs resting, then fair enough. I'd rather not take risks. And can, it was only, what, a week or two before the Man United game where he got left out. And then all of a sudden it was he needs to go for an MRI um, on, on a tight calf. So, look, if he's having some sort of repercussions on that and they're just managing him, fine. Um, I just hope there's nothing untoward in his, just in his body in general, which, you know, you see it with players. Some players just get hampered with injuries and it ruins their careers. I hope that's not the case for him. Um, he's still young. This is what happens when you run around in West Brom in a short sleeve t-shirt. Maybe we need to get him some Under Armour. Wrap him up in, in bubble wrap. He'd sweat too much, wouldn't he? He wouldn't be able to handle that. <laughs> Liam, mate, any thoughts? Um, no, you guys kind of covered it pretty well. I mean, I think as well that he has this kind of reputation because he has been out for significant periods of time. Um, but then again, he's played quite consistently throughout the season up to now. So I don't mm-hmm. know if this is just, I can't quite work out if this is, he is now injured and this is a problem because he has these injury issues that he can't quite recover from. Or if mm-hmm. it's quite simply, we're playing midweek weekend, midweek weekend, midweek weekend. And you'd say, I'd rather have 100% than play him at 90 and risk him being out for, for two months rather than, or three months rather than three weeks, if, if, if you catch what I'm saying. So mm. I, I can't quite work out which of those it is. That's an interesting point, actually. I think we do sort of sort of look past the fact that they are playing so many games at the moment. Um, the schedule is, is so hectic, like... Like Calvin didn't even know we were playing yesterday until like Monday. I texted and I was saying, you know, we're playing tomorrow, right? You're like, what? Again? I can't keep up with it. And it was even worse because like you told me we were kicking off. And then I forgot that we were kicking off at six. I think it was when we were checking the group chat. You guys were discussing the lineup. And I was like, fuck. I haven't even looked at the lineup yet. This is like half half five, 20 to six. 
um, yeah, it is difficult to um, keep on top of all the games at the moment. I, I have no idea what time we're kicking off on Saturday. It's Saturday, isn't it? Could be. Yeah, we're half twelve on Saturday. Look at me. I've got the knowledge there. Only because I've written it down in front of me. But yeah, actually, that's a, how do you guys find these staggered fixtures in general? Like, do you do you like it? Do you prefer kind of more of a a rigid structure? I'm not saying like rigid, like three o'clock Saturday, but do you prefer just kind of playing your Saturday or Sunday and then one game in the week? Or it's not good for my mood having too many games. <laughs> I was in such a stinking mood last night. My Lovely of a half. I have to call, I have to call her my fiance Liam because if she listens in, she'll go. I'm not your girlfriend. I'm your fiance. Um, <laughs> so she she had a, she was not happy with me last night because I had the hump. And even this morning when I wake up, she's like, "You still look miserable." So from that point of view, I'd rather have like one game on a Saturday and then wait a week. Mm. Not be dealing with three games in seven days. It's not good for my mental health. No, I can imagine. <laughs> We're a bit of a roller coaster team to watch this season. Actually, not even just this season, that's what the last five years. It wears. It wears on us all. How about you, Liam? How do you find the obviously with the hour difference as well? I mean, some of these quarter past eight kickoffs, you know, you basically it watch them until midnight. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, quarter past nine goes on until quarter past 11 ish, could go on yeah. to half 12, um, um, 11 30. Sorry, we speak our times differently as well. I know, um, yeah. <laughs> It all gets confusing, especially when you start talking about half past when the Netherlands is half two an hour. Uh, the usual three o'clock game isn't three o'clock, it's four o'clock over here. So yeah. I always go, oh, time for the 3 p.m. kickoffs. And, was, and my missus going, you're a bit late. <laughs> um, well, it, it does get very confusing, but that's me being an hour ahead that throws me off more than anything else. I think. Yeah. Completely, un- completely unfootball related. How, how long have you lived out there for? Uh Two, coming up to two years. Oh, wow. Very nice. What's the weather like this time of year? Properly going off peak. dreadful. Same as here. If you think British weather's bad, come to the Netherlands. Because I'm right up north, so I'm not that far from the coast. It's windy, mm. it's cold, it rains, it snows, it's sun, bright sunshine, it's ice all in the space of an hour. It's, you know it's horrendous. That sounds exactly like it is in Ireland. Like, honestly, like, if you'd have just said I live in Dublin and said that, I don't know, yeah. You know, that four seasons right. in a day, that happens, yeah. I mean, I, I swear to God, it's rained non-stop since early December here. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway. Even when everyone buggers off to Spain, lives out there. Oh, don't talk to me about Arsenal fans living in Spain. I know a particular one I don't like. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no comment, no comment on that. Anyway, let's get him back to the game. We'll talk about that at the end. Um, yeah, I need, to, I need to know more about this Spanish Guna. So yeah, let's, let's bring that back <laughs> uh, up again. Let's, let's get back to the, let's, Guna. Let's, let's get back to um, Man United. I just wanted to briefly touch upon one, one more thing before we uh, talk about Wolves. Bruno Fernandez, um, the man who can do no wrong. A completely ridiculous uh, challenge on Granite Xhaka. Looked worse, slowed down, but it was a, a naughty challenge, and once again goes unpunished. Uh, the pundits after the game didn't even really touch upon it. It just sort of got brushed under the carpet. What are your thoughts on that, guys? It is funny because I texted this earlier to you, Steve. I was expecting to have more of a reaction about it. Now, unfortunately for me, chaps, my old man was an FA referee um, to a reasonable standard. And he used to referee some of my games when I when I played 
as a kid, which was the most infuriating thing in the world because he had this unconscious bias. Um, but what's worse now as an adult, now, you, you know, because when you're a kid, you don't really fully understand the game, whereas, you know, get to get to your mid-20s and you've watched or played enough football that you know what you're looking at. My dad still has this fucking bias towards referees. So basically what happened earlier was he texted me just to see how I felt about the game last night. And I went on a bit of a rant about how poor the officiating was in general last night, to be honest with you, not even just with the one particular episode we're going to come on to uh, in, uh, in a bit. But it was just this... I'm starting to think that there's a an unconscious, not necessarily an unconscious bias, but and it's not either. It's not even that they're out to get us because I know you could say this about a lot of clubs. I'm sure a lot of fans have this kind of conversation where they're like, "Ah, oh, the refs are against us," blah blah blah. But there has been far too many incidents involving our club, um, in exactly with this kind of situation, where if it was Granite Xhaka making that tackle on Bruno Fernandez, one. The reaction that Bruno Fernandes gives will be completely different to that of Granit Xhaka's, and it is play acting. And you think unfortunately, he have gone down then and made more of it. Look, this is exactly what I was just about to touch on, Steve. As much as I hate to say it, because I'm a little bit old school when it comes to this stuff, I think you take your challenge, you get up, and you give it back. That's unfortunately gone in the game um, to a point. Yeah, do you know what? I want to see Granit Xhaka go down, and I want to see him play act now because it's got to the point, and I hate it. But if you can't beat him, join him in that kind of scenario. Because it's how long have we been talking about play acting and diving and theatricals in football now, especially in the Premier League? It's been an ongoing topic of conversation for ever since. I mean, let's go back and um, let's not talk about it for too long. But ever since Jurgen Klinsmann came into the Premier League, and that's how long ago? Early to mid 90s was when it first started coming up. It's got worse. Uh, so, look, it's, I'm starting to think this either. Obviously, we notice it more because it's our club, but the standard of officiating in general for our games and the decision-making, it's borderline horrific and kind of laughable because if you don't laugh, you fucking cry at this point. Uh, I'll go ahead and say it, match-fixing. Um, no, if I mean, if I was a full-on conspiracy oh. theorist, if I had my fanny wizard hat on, I would full-on go say this is match-fixing of the highest order. Um, I'm not quite there yet because I really don't want to believe it. Um but the thing is, as well, uh, 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 Kelvin, so I'll get your names right. Uh, Kelvin mentioned it. It does happen on a wider scale. We notice it more because it's Arsenal. And we watch Arsenal more than we do Man United, Wolves, Spurs, yeah. whoever. Um, yeah. But I, I do see a lot of Liverpool fans make a lot of claims that they think VAR has got some sort of conspiracy against them. And I have an opinion well, I used to at least, where actually I thought Liverpool got very favourable ones. So this is a problem that's so across the board, and I'm an ex-referee myself. I did my uh, refereeing course at 14. Mm. Um, some of the decisions are ludicrous, and where I would have sympathy for an official being an ex-referee, I lose that sympathy when VAR gives you the opportunity to see it back. Because I can understand we're all human. The first thing I used to say as a referee, I am human. I can't see... I haven't got 360-degree field of vision, so I can't see everything. I will yeah. miss a couple of things. But with VAR, you eliminate that risk. And I lose sympathy when it's so clear as day as to what the, uh, what a foul is, what a red card is. You mentioned, actually, as well, uh, Steve, yourself, 
this sort of retrospect revenge almost. Actually, I think Xhaka had made a tackle on Bruno that he wasn't happy with moments before, if I remember rightly. And that was Bruno trying to get his revenge. And it was nasty. It was cynical. And it's right down the back of his leg. I mm. thought it was a horrible tackle. And I thought it should be as clear a red card as you'll ever see. I think if there was a, a crowd in, in the ground, um, that yeah, would have... Crowds really get it sent off. Because it just sort of got... You know, even watching it, I think I missed it. And it wasn't until the replay I realised what had really happened. It just, it just frustrated me that it really just sort of got swept into the carpet and forgotten about. And I, I think you made a really good point there. I think every, every fan of every club thinks that there, there's a, an agenda, there's an issue, a conspiracy, whatever you want to call it, against their club. But um, it, it, it kind of falls really nicely into, into last night. Um, I think 24 hours on, I'm still absolutely raging. I'm not as raging, but I'm still really pissed off. Rumour has it that Mickey Mouse wears a Craig Pawson face mask. Um, listen, let me, let me take my Arsenal hat off and let me put my fo- footballing hat on. The inconsistent nature of refereeing and VAR in English football is no doubt ruining the game. And that, that's just across the board. Week in, week out, we're seeing decisions like the Bruno Fernandes one. We're seeing goals to allow for toes being offside. At what point do we say enough is enough? Like, do you think football clubs need to do more about this? Because it just seems that every week we're having the same conversations over Twitter, uh, on Talk Sport, Five Live, you know, the pundits on Sky BT. At what point is, is someone actually going to be like, right, we've got to draw a line with this. We've got to move past this. Because it's, you look back to Arsene Wenger, even the later years of Arsene Wenger, he was complaining about the referees back then. It's just mm. ongoing. And it's just, it just really ruins the game for me. Yeah. Um, weirdly, I was kind of, and I still am. Not, actually, no, hang on. I'm pro-VAR if it's implemented correctly. And I was kind of pro-VAR when it came in because how many times have you seen a, a wrong decision really fuck you over in a match? And it's just really frustrating when it's obvious. Like, if we just rewind to the Man United game last season, remember that Aubameyang goal, right? And it was given offside initially, but it was clear as day onside. I remember seeing it on, at the time. Thankfully. Yeah, and he did. Fair play to him. Um, he played on. It's those decisions which I'm all for it. It's the offside shit which is getting to me at this point. I mean, you'll you remember this, Liam. I don't know whether it would have been the case when you did your, your course when you were 14 doing the, the FA referees course. But, you know, even for me or even at that, that elite level, it was offside was defined by there was clear daylight between the two players. Do you know what I mean? So mm, Lacazette yeah. was given up, you know, offside for a toe, which is really harsh. Um, and it spoils the game. Like, from a, from a supporter point of view, you know, I jumped up for the goal because we were really on top at that point of the game. To be fair, we were on top for most of the first half. And it was a great goal. It was a great finish, um, especially on his weaker foot as well from Saka, which we've seen before now. He's, he's really developing that right foot, which is great. Um, and, you know, he's it's that moment of ecstasy which you that, that you want as a supporter, right? There's nothing worse than... And I remember that I used to do this quite a lot. And I think maybe it's because because my dad was a ref, he used to kind of talk me through decisions a little bit more. And I just have this unconscious bias, especially when I'm at a match live. As soon as I celebrate a goal, unless it's completely obvious, obviously, my first thought is to look at the linesman before I really let myself go. And you can do that in a split second, right? That sounds so wrong. Why are you letting go? Of course go? it would to you. <laughs> would you love to know? Get your mind out of the gutter, Stephen. You are disgusted. 
You're disgusting. You took it to the gun, not me, man. Come on. Um, don't make me lose my train of thought and get me taking my mind to the gutter straight there with you. It doesn't take a lot, trust me. Um, but yeah, it's that it's that moment that you look forward to supporting. That's kind of gone now, isn't it? Because you just know every goal is checked by VAR. And in real time, looking at that goal, it's a goal. Like it's there's nothing really wrong with that. And I just think it's got to the point where it's too finicky. And also, I think if that's the route you want to go down, which again, I've got no problem because if that was the other way around, right, and a Wolves player was giving offside for a toe, I'm all over it. Happy days. It means we don't concede. But I think, you know, it's 2021. We've got the technology to be able to track the, the lowest line defender and the highest attacker, the, you know, throughout the game. Like a kind of Hawkeye, a live Hawkeye. Why can't you just have this? And like goal line technology, it buzzes the ref when he's off. The thing is, right, you, you say, you know, if, if it happens to the opposition, it's fine. And it, 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 listen, if it happens yeah. to Tottenham or Man United, I'll have a good laugh about it. But at the same mm-hmm. time, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking it's not, it's not, it's not helping. It's not solving anything. Like, I remember um, when Newcastle got that dodgy penalty at the start of the season against Tottenham, and it was 1-0. And mm-hmm. I couldn't help but think that's, that's, they've, been, they've been shafted there. As much as it yeah. was great to see... Oh yeah. Football head says this is ridiculous. It's not fair, and I think from that standpoint, we need to uh, fix up. Yeah. Again, you guys covered it really well, uh, Kelvin. You you mentioned about your dad being a referee uh, and the yeah. rules. You might recognise that it, when I say that a lot of the rules are designed to give the benefit of the doubt, usually to an attacker. But benefit of the doubt doesn't come into black and white VAR lines on the pitch. So the rule, so we're trying to implement VAR, but the, the rules don't kind of suit the implementation, if you like. Mm-hmm. That's where my big gripe is it. And I have gripes with referees who can't actively put the decisions in place. But a lot of these highlights are really dodgy rules as well. I mean, I don't know how much you guys know about the Dutch league over here, the VC. They have a system that I'm trying to remember this from the top of my head. They have a system in place where they've gone, fuck what everyone else does. If we're, we're going to have a look at VAR to see if he's offside, but I'll tell you what, if it's, if there is that, um, that, uh, that daylight there, then we're going to stick with the, with the, um, with, with the linesman's call, whether he flagged it or not, if he's a, if he's flagged it incorrectly, but it's within daylight, they just they stick within the referee's uh, the linesman's view because it was too yeah. close to call. So that way, you still gain that benefit of the doubt or the the advantage um, given to the attacker because that's all offside is meant to do. It's just meant to stop somebody goal hanging. But at the end of the day, if you, if it's too close to call, it's just you give it to the you give the benefit of the doubt, and VAR eliminates that, and that's why we have such a big problem with it. That's, I feel the great good of the game. How is no. that sort of um, what is what, what is the response to that? To what I know, I don't watch a lot of it, a lot of it. Uh, bear in mind, um, I think the response within the Netherlands over here, they love it. I think from what I know, they're very happy with it, and it's it's kind of got this understanding. Like we used to be cheesed off when the decision went against us pre-VAR. But you look at it and you go, oh, it's a tight call. I can see how the linesman's missed it or I see how he's given it because it's that tight. They kind of have that same respect as far as I can gather. Outside of the Netherlands, everyone, well, the official bodies absolutely hate them for doing it from what I know. But within the Netherlands, they love it. 
the thing the thing is the Premier League claims to be the biggest and best league in the world. If if and the clubs have the power. If the clubs got together and said we ain't having this, we want change. They they hold the aces. Surely, you know they they could do something about it. Uh, my biggest one well, of my biggest one of my many gripes with VAR is I believe it's Mike Riley, who who's one of the big heads of of the whole the chief. And yeah. if we remember back to that famous game at Old Trafford when we were robbed of our 50th and beating game. Um, I, you know, I was watching the highlights uh, to that recently and it, all, it was a breakdown of, of all his decisions. It is an absolute disgrace how Gary Neville should have been sent off about three times in that game. Um, yeah, it, it, it's just farcical for me. Absolutely farcical. And uh, I just, I'm just sort of tired of having the same conversations. Let's, let, let's talk about something a little more positive. There were some really good performances from the lads last night. Um, I can have. I'm, I may be frustrated, but I have. I have no issues with it, with anyone uh, last night. Mm. Even Leno, he made a bit of a mistake, but I thought the lads uh, had a good evening. Yeah, I just. Yeah, I mean, look at again. It's funny that we're discussing two. You know, two matches where the outcome at the end and how you feel. Just it's a bit odd. Um, I've never felt so. I've never actually. It's been a while since I felt like that after a game, which was weirdly kind of nice. Like, because obviously when we went through that really terrible run, it just became a bit, like, it was still hurt. It still hurt to lose, right? Seven or however, however many games we ended up losing in a row. But it was nice to have that frustration of not winning that game last night because we played so well. And it wasn't down to our inefficiencies why we lost that game last night. Purely, I just, I, I strongly believe that with 11 against 11 in that second half, we would have won the game. Um, I, I really do um, and it's funny because you obviously so and it's funny because like, I laughed earlier at you saying how pissed off you were last night and I knew it because I sent you a voice note after the game just to kind of say how I felt about it I didn't hear back from you for a good good hour maybe longer and I was like Jesus Steve's feeling that one um, which I was as well but I remember you saying that you were so angry at the penalty decision and just how that all went down just that hot that minute or however long it was ruined you know ruined the game for us um we completely completely completely. um but you know i don't want to go back into the negatives too much you know let's try and look at the positive because like i said there were some there were a lot actually in that first half um it's it's one of the best halves of football i've seen us play all season we we were absolutely on it from the off uh, which is rare for us we're more of a second half team um but thomas party in the middle of that uh, midfield yesterday, especially the first half, was Jacques. absolutely. Jack is just like we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. I think you know Jacques. I think I said you're really keen to see how this this goes. Him and Jacques in the middle because you know if you can make our Nenny look decent, you should be able to make Jacques look decent next to you too. And it's it's really starting to show. But it was the passing ability of Thomas Party that that kind of clipped over the top through ball um, that he played to Saka a couple of times was just spot on. And he's just got that. And we we spoke about it. You remember the Aubameyang goal there when he played it really early? Who were we playing? What game was that? I can't remember. But you remember we spoke about how quickly he took the ball and then sprayed the ball out to Aubameyang. He took it on the score. Oh, it was the first. Um, against Lee, um, Newcastle. There you go. Thank you. Um, it's that sort of stuff that you're looking for. And he, he really likes to kind of get hold of the ball and play it quickly and play it forward quickly which is something we've just lacked for so long. And it's, it's glaringly obvious when he's in the side. And, and I do think that would have carried on in the second half if the referee and the officials didn't literally 
bend this over. Uh, yeah, exactly right. Party ran that game. And, and so I'm a coach myself. And when I'm coaching my team, the first thing I say is, right, the first two minutes of this game, they are ours. They are ours to impose the game that we want to play and we set the tempo. And in the first minute, Party picks that ball up, goes, thinks it's straight over for Saka, who hits the post. First mm. minute. That's your mm. intent of the game. That sets mm. the tempo. And he said, right, I'm the main guy here. I'm running this game. You better back off me, which is yep. ironically what we want them to do as well. Um, yeah. And there was a period where Wolves got themselves back into it. I think after the disallowed goal, they woke up. But we were well on top. We were well mm. on top. Party ran things from deep. Smithrow, Pepe, Saka, all on the same wavelength. Uh, and they were fantastic. They really were, them three. It, it, it was so refreshing to see. And, you know, you said that's our best half of football for all season. I think that's our best half of football for a good couple of years, possibly. Mm. Yeah, you might, you're probably not wrong. <laughs> It was, like you guys said, one of the best performances we've seen in such a long time. Everything was just, everyone was putting a shift in. It was just clicking. The red card just completely fucked us. And once they, they got they got that early goal in the second half, apart from that goal, they had nothing. And it, it, and you just knew it was game over. Um, it was a complete sucker punch. And, oh, you know what? <laughs> Fucking pissed me right off. <laughs> I'm still fuming. <laughs> Yeah, when you think about it, it does piss you off. You know, it's the sense of injustice, isn't it? Um, and it's just, it was again, I think ultimately what it boils down to is frustration, isn't it? I mean, because we know, like, and again, you know, I say we know, I mean, we don't, but I think anybody who was watching that game, you know, in you know, in that last even 30 seconds before that penalty went, um, and I'm sure you all thought it, I definitely did. I was like, right, happy days going into halftime here, one minute, playing fucking brilliantly. There was no panic. I, and it's rare you say that as an Arsenal supporter because usually there's some sense of panic with this defensively, which is basically gone over the last 10 games or so, weirdly. Um, but I had no concerns at all. Um, but you could see that. You could see that bit of play open up. I don't want to talk about the referee again. <laughs> you know, you, you've, you've touched on something there. I was so relaxed in that first half. I honestly felt so confident that we were going to win the game. And once we, once you know, Saka scored, obviously it was just loud. And then Pepe scored a wonderful goal. Uh, shout out to Pepe, who had a fantastic performance. Um, yeah, it's interesting. We've talked about him so much on here, and, and we've been very critical of him. Um, and he's really turned the corner in the last few weeks. So I really hope he keeps that run going. But yeah, all in all, we look so comfortable. And I was literally about to get up and go and make a drink. And I thought, yeah, this is dumb. And just completely out of nowhere. Yeah, a moment, a moment of, of lapse in, in, in the defence, midfield, whatever. We just lost our focus and concentration and we allowed him in. And Yeah, it completely changes the team talk as well for half-time. Because even if that goal does go in, let's say it goes in, Louise stands off, he stops running. Uh, he, William Jose, I think, was still on goal. If he goes through and still scores, it's one or half-time. The team talk for Arteta is really, really quite simple. Is You were by far the better team out there don't get complacent, win the game. But at, at 10 men, you're licking your wounds and somehow the manager who's put all this effort into getting your team ready has got to go, oh shit, I've now got to adjust my plans so that these players are going to try and 
you know, go out there and still, if not win the game, at least get something because it is one all ultimately at this point. And the whole complexity of just the red card, let alone it being one all, if that's what changes the entire complexity of the rest of the game. No, it really did. I mean, I remember texting you last night, Steve, and you, obviously you were fuming at the just the decision of the red card. Like, thing at the time, I wasn't even that asked about the penalty in the red card. I was more furious at the fact that why the fuck did he not blow for half time? Even on the commentary, I was watching on BT. I don't know what what channel you guys are watching on, but literally said the referee had was literally about to blow, literally about to blow for half time, and then he let the play go on. And I think that's where the, you know, the the minds drifted from from our point of view. Leno, how often do you see Leno kick a goal kick long? By the way, not very. Why do you think he did it then? Because it's fucking half time. Should have gone. Expect- should have been blowing. Yeah, should have blown. And that for me is, I mean, look, we can talk all day about how it's never a red card. If you want to give a penalty as soft as it is, fair enough, fair enough. Because in real time, it looked like a penalty. I can't deny that. It's the it's the double jeopardy. Why why if you're giving because they were talking about it at half time and they brought in the you know on BT they have the referee sat there as you know to give an inside view. And they were basically taking the piss out of him at half time yesterday. And it was kind of cringy to watch. And he nearly fumbled himself a little bit because they were like, so and Maria Ferdinand was on the panel, so he's a defender as well. And he was basically talking to the I can't I don't even know the name of the chap he was on there, ex-Premier League referee, not Mike Riley, thank fuck. Um, and they were saying, so what you're trying to tell us here then is he's intentionally brought him down there and yet that's a red card. So he hasn't tried to make the challenge and he's been sent off. However, you're then telling me that if I try to slide in on that player at that moment to attempt to play the ball, it's only a yellow. Ha- what? And then the, then the guy who was uh, obviously trying to be the expert for the ref was like, yeah. And then he realised what he said and... Yes, it just sounds John, ridiculous. Like John Terry came out as well. He replied to like a Sky Sports post saying it wasn't a red card. I was watching some stuff today on Sky Sports and various other outlets, and it, there's been a real mix uh, of opinion whether you know, it, it, some people su- suggesting it wasn't even a penalty, let alone a red card. Some people mm-hmm. saying it, it was a stonewall penalty and it's a red card. Um, but it all comes down to consistency. Um, I saw a clip of a very similar incident literally on the way back home today I can't remember who it was it was it was a Premier League game this season where very similar tackle and the referee went to the screen and and, and then decided not to give the penalty so it, it just comes down to consistency for me mm. uh, and the fact that VAR was so quick to look at it they it was such a quick like boom you know usually they're there like, with a different angles it was just completely yeah. like that's a penalty also what really frustrated me was how quick the referee was to send him off just completely gone and it, it almost is like really smug about doing so it was just infuriating it really was um there's something about something about just when you say he looks smug look, something about that referee you know when you just see someone you just like fucking hate your face i just want to throw it out to you guys though because steve i don't like you i don't think there's an agenda necessarily even though sometimes it feels like one growing up a referee would support somebody if you've got that level of interest in a game right they definitely do yeah 100 percent um we all remember the video with what referee was it? Referee in that Spurs game. I think someone scored, and he's Mike literally Ryan. celebrating. Mike Dean. Mike Dean. Yeah. He's not actually. He's not a Villa fan though. He because there was a there was a, a post last year. He, he supports like a lower league team. He was he in like, the Rochdale, I think. Yeah, he, he was Rochdale, in the away end. Big Rochdale fan. 
Good lad. That's fine. But there must be some like there must be some referees that get to that level who have supported a Premier League team. Or is it something like that then? You only get to that level if it's you, you don't have any affiliation towards uh, a Premier League site. I actually read a piece on The Athletic. Uh, wasn't that long ago, maybe a month ago, regardless. Basically, what it said is that every referee has to declare the team that they support have ever mm-hmm. owned a season ticket for and who their family supports, or if like their family owns a yeah. member owns a season ticket, and they are not allowed to referee a game that either is for, so. If you if I'm mm. a Premier League referee, I can't referee Arsenal, but I also can't referee Spurs, for example, because there's a relation there as the as the mm. rivalry or a, a game that directly affects the placing in the table. Can't remember who the referee was, but there was a game between Chelsea and Spurs. Do you remember when Leicester won the league? And there yeah. was a big hoo-ha about it, I think, because mm. the referee assigned to it had an affiliation was around Leicester, somewhere okay. around there. But they cleared it up because you can't have that affiliation. And if you do, you're not allowed to referee. Why can't we start bringing in three match bands for referees who have an absolute shit show of an afternoon <laughs> refereeing a game afterwards, right? <laughs> So you're banned. You're banned from refereeing for the next three weeks. You're shit. But imagine you had that kind of hanging over your head when it's like a player, right? As a player, as a defender, you know that if you make a bad tackle, or don't, in David Luiz's case, you'll get sent off. You'll miss. You'll miss a game, or you'll miss three games, depending on what the severity of the incident was. Why can't we hold ref? Like they're professionals. They get paid a lot of money um, to make terrible decisions. Why can't we make something, make them a bit more, like you said, hold them accountable. Let's make them be more accountable for their decisions. We've given them VAR. Just, an, just another quick thing on VAR, by the way, lads. What do you make of them when, you know, when they go to the screen? Why do they have to watch everything in slow-mo? Because everything looks terrible in slow-mo. It's not a real-life representation of what that, because like you touched on earlier, Steve, everything looks worse in slow motion. So why do they always watch it over and over again in slow motion when it comes to making these, especially around the red card calls, I find? No, you. I think you're right. Like, if they can have different angles, surely they can watch at different speeds, right? Surely that, yeah. I'm with you, that that would make sense. Mm. I've just always found it a bit odd that they watch it in slow motion because it just always, it's like one, one that springs to mind in particular. And again, how on earth you were sent off for this is beyond me comes back to the agenda piece. But you remember Eddie and Ketch is sending off, I think it was earlier this season, where in the middle of the Leicester game. Fair play, lads. If I didn't have you two here, I'd just be talking about instance. It'd be up to the listeners to kind of figure out when it was. Yeah. He actually bought Spurs. He's just filling in for his brother. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think it's just, you know, you look at that in real real time. I mean, it's it's just a, a millisecond. He's going for the ball. There's no intent to hurt a player there. But yeah, he got sent off. I think um, the overall thing needs to look, be looked at. I'd like to see referees mic'd up as well so we can hear what is going on. So when they're making these decisions, we know. So whether you like it or not, at least you can go, all right, fair enough, this is what he's doing. Because it, most of the time we're just left in the dark, scratching our head thinking, what is going on? I'd love to see mics on referees. But you'll remember, actually, yeah, no, it's be. before your time. It, they trialled this before. In the early 90s, and it was for an Arsenal game and they couldn't do it because Tony Adams, being Tony Adams, just kept surrounded. I think it was Mike Ellery, really old school referee. I think he was like a headmaster or something like that. Really like kind of straight arrow looking bloke. But yeah, they mic'd him up for a Palace game, I think. And they couldn't do it because of all the, you know, the effing and blinding and all that sort of stuff and the abuse the ref got. They just couldn't do it. So 
I don't think I don't think you have that as much anymore. Like I remember, like the early two thousands, when like, you know, like Arsenal and Man United would literally hound the referee. They'd be like eight, eight or eight or nine of the players bar the keepers. Actually, usually if it was if it was Jens, he'd be there as well. But oh, yeah, crazy Jens. Those, but it it still goes on verbally. Like you can hear it in the grounds when there's mm. no crowd. You can hear them kind of uh, shouting. But there's not. There's not as much argy bargy. Is that the right term? Do you know what I mean? It, it's not as prevalent as it used handbags. to be. There's not as many. I can't handbags say handbags now. Actually, you can't say a commentator said that and he got suspended recently. Not even. <laughs> it was like a lower league game and he said, "Oh, they're having handbags," and he got made to apologise because people complained. That is the world we live in, people. It is a mental world we live in, people. <laughs> Just a touch. So with that in mind, guys, do we have anything else to add? I know you want to maybe touch upon the, the Leno incident, Calvin. Yeah, I mean, look, in relation to the heart, the second half in general, I don't think there's too much we can say other than, do you know what? Could have been a lot worse. Um, could have been a bit better, of course. But, you know, when you go into the second half with 10 men, it's never, it's never easy at that level uh, or at any level, to be perfectly honest with you. You know, the, the Leno red card was a bit mental. And this is one decision that, you know, you don't, you can't have any arguments with it whatsoever. I was a little surprised at first because I actually didn't catch it in real time. Um, what he did, I kind of just thought he hit him in the midriff or something or on the thigh. It's only when I saw the replay I realised what he did. And you know, as soon as you see the replay, yeah, you, you got to go and look. This just a rush of blood to the head on his part. I can't really have anything bad to say. I mean, the only real negative off that is. He has to miss. Is it what he'll get a one game ban for that? I believe, doesn't he? One, one game, game ban, yeah, for both of them. So look, I I worry slightly with Matt Ryan bit not being fit. Obviously, he wasn't on the bench last night. It does worry me that you know we might have to put Runnison in goal at the weekend. Leno's been so so good for us since he signed. Really, um, you can't really have any any negatives. I think he's just misjudged it. I've done that as a goalkeeper when I was when I was playing back in the day, when, when the surface gets that heavily uh, waterlogged, especially that kind of surface, it just sits on the top. The ball can skim in all sorts of ways um, that you're not used to or you just wouldn't expect. So for that, I mean, just like, look, bit mental, probably shouldn't have done it. We won't know the full repercussions of it until till Saturday. It, 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 keeping myself, I've been there and done it too. Um, <laughs> just in training, just fucking around, um, with my mates just playing around like you've done it and you've kind of gone oh oops at least you did it in training you know i did it you did it in training i did it in a match more than once oh, I've, never, <laughs> I've, always, I've let it i've always let them go in a match i mean i've been in the same situation but i've always let it go because i've been too scared to get it wrong um it, it, there's nothing really to add other than it's moronic Rush a blood to the head, exactly as you said. Just on the second half, I guess the only thing I'd add really is actually I thought we responded quite well. We didn't concede anything other than an absolute worldie from 30 yards. Mm. We didn't concede, and I thought we were by far the better team. We were by far the better team. This result is it's a kind of one-off. I think if we'd have played badly in the first half, maybe got a scrappy goal, one up, and then this all unfolded, very different conversation. But, you know, we've been talking about it for, for a while there, that we were in the corner and, you know, we both agreed that I think we came out of that corner as a team last week fully. I don't feel like we'll be derailed from this, to be honest with you, uh, because the performance was really, really good in that first half. Uh, and you, you can't really judge the players in the second half too much. 
um, because you have one player less. And then, as we touched on there, you know, you know, 20, yeah, 20 minutes with nine men. And we, Runison, you know, I'm worried about him, but he showed a couple of good saves there. Um, then he did kick the ball out for a corner. That's a slight worry. And I actually thought before last night he was probably better with his feet than his hands. So um, it will, we'll, see how, we'll see how that goes. Looking ahead to Villa on Saturday, obviously last time out we got absolutely smacked at the Emirates. Uh, they beat us 3 0. If, if I remember rightly, they scored within the first like 50 seconds and it was it was ruled out for an offside, um, a ridiculous offside as well. Um, yes. I'll come to you first, Liam. What are your thoughts? Are you confident, mate? I think it's a really, Villa are a very hard team to, to analyse because I'm never really sure if they're actually good or if they're just good hard workers. Like, Grealish is fantastic. Barkley is serviceably fairly all right. Watkins I rate. But besides that, they're not the greatest team in the world. They're just full of very hard workers and make it a running race. At, at the Emirates, they did nothing more than outrun and outfight us. So if we can match them for that, we should be fine. But that's the question. Can we match them physically in running power and not do stupid things like leaving our spots too early? We've got to be a bit smart and match them for running power. They are super inconsistent, aren't they? They've just got quality in the right areas. Like Jack Grealish is unbelievable. And I think having having him kind of as the engine in your team they're always going to be a danger. It's, it's crazy though because they nearly went down last season. Let's not forget. It went to the last days. And it, yeah. credit, credits to, to them because they've had a remarkable season. They've really turned it around. They're sitting above us in ninth at the moment uh, with three games in hand over us. So it's a sort of game where we, we for, if, if we do want to sort of try and break into Europe, uh, we have to win this. Yeah, it's a must. I mean, every game for us is must win, isn't it really? Um, which is not great. Um, there's a lot of pressure on your players every single week, which because you know that's a different level of mental strain that you're having to shoulder every week. Um, can you know you get that nervous energy more? And I'm sure they get nervous energy before a lot of games, which can zap the life out of you. Um, Villa, I, I when you're explaining Villa there, Liam, I couldn't help but think you could just replace Villa with Arsenal in that in that explanation. To be honest with you, I don't. Sometimes I don't know are we good or are we bad this season. Uh, and if you look at where we are on the table, admit. You know, as you just pointed out, they have three games ahead of us and they're a point ahead. But we're ninth and tenth. Um, you know, we're bang average. Is that because you don't know what you're going to get sometimes? Uh, sometimes you look, you know, you look at that Villa performance when they came to the Emirates. I hate to say it. Sometimes you do just have to kind of go, they played, they just played us so well that day. Um, as poor as we were, they played very well. But we could get a very different Villa side um, this weekend. Um, I'm relatively confident for it. Just because of how we played, you know, not just in the first 45 yesterday, but just over the last number of weeks, we played well. And ultimately, we are better away from home than we are at home. I always look uh, forward to the pod, but like, like after Wolves last night, I was literally thinking, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> this is going to be a bad run. We said it'd be a nice way, nice way to get it off the chest, though. You know, you get to talk to some Arsenal lads who witnessed the exact same thing we did, probably <laughs> felt the same that I did last night going to bed. I mean, it was so funny. There was a... Obviously, because these six o'clock games are a bloody nightmare because obviously it's, you know, if you work, you know, nine to five, you know, it's just worse time because you want to get dinner here or whatever. So, you know, so I'd had some food and I think at half time I got up um, to go make a drink in the kitchen. And my missus was in the uh, 
was in the room with me and she just started taking the piss out of me, which was nice because it actually made me feel a bit better. But I, this was like the immediate aftermath of the whole Louise situation. And I just got up so dejected from my chair and now, you know, one of those just, and then just walked and, you know, trudged over to the kitchen. She's like, oh my God, it's just a game. And I was like, never just a game. Yeah, you're right. But she's like, why are you, why are you so angry? I said, I'm not angry. I went, I went full parent on it. I said, I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. It was just so frustrating to kind of just like, you know, I had to explain it. I was just like, yeah, but it's, you know, it's not, not anger. I'm just really frustrated of what I've just seen. And it was just so annoying. And the whole referees, you know, trying to explain to your missus who just doesn't give a shit about football is, is hard, isn't it? Um, but it also made me feel a bit better at the same time that she took the piss out of me that I felt a bit moody about football, for sure. So she said. Yeah, going back to the Villa game, uh, yeah, I, I hope kind of there's not much really to say other than hopefully Odegaard might get his debut. I think mm. it's probably a nice game for him to to come in. Um, it, I think it probably depends on if Smith Rowe's fit enough to play to to start another game in a row. Um, mm. I'm quite excited to see Odegaard played. Uh, I, I actually live about 45 minutes from uh, a little town called Kieranvein in the Netherlands, mm. where he mm. yeah, where he went online. Um, uh, Vitesse Arnhem, where he's also played, isn't that far. It's a, probably a good hour to two hours drive. Mm. So, seeing a little bit of him, a lot of the Dutch quite like him. Not a lot of Vein fans were enamoured by him, but he was about 16 when he played for him. Yeah, he's very young. But Yeah, but it's, it's got this nice progression, because he's gone from Vein mid-table Eredivisie, uh, to Vitesse, uh, which is a bit higher to try to challenge for Europe, not usually successfully, but they try. Mm-hmm. Now he's gone to Real Sociedad in Spain, it's another level up, mm-hmm. and now he's with us. So it's been quite a nice progression, and, and he seems to have year on year been building on himself and getting more impressive. So I'm quite excited to see if he can do that with us too. Just wanted to and, touch on the Martin Odegaard uh, thing a second. He actually got voted man of the match by uh, Norwegian viewers before he'd even come, come on the pitch on Saturday. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? That is quite brilliant, to be fair. I like that. Was <laughs> he on the pitch and he was very man of the match? Brilliant. brilliant. He was quality. He, he, his warm-ups were fucking 10 out of 10, Steve, to be fair, though. Like, come on, give the bloke some credit. He didn't feature until the 83rd minute and he was already... Uh, yeah, but did you not see the effort he was doing? He was up and down that, that wing, mate. For 83 minutes beforehand. Mm. No, you just love football fans. It's like when, when there's ever a poll online, Arsenal always uh, win. Arsenal fans. Yeah, brilliant. We're strong. Brilliant. We're very uh, social media friendly. We, we may not be challenging friendly. for titles, but we'll beat you in a Twitter poll. Oh, all day, every day. But also, just on the Villa thing, guys, obviously Aubameyang's back and came off the came off the bench last night. Well, do you think he'll slot back in at the weekend or do you think he'll be on the bench? I think he'll come back in, hundred okay. percent. But Before. either way, you know what? We're in a position where we've got options, and that's always a nice, a nice feeling. We've, we've got... nice to have options. Who would you, who would you bring him in for, Steve? Sorry, that's that would be my, my next kind of question. If you go, who would you drop? Did Gabby start yesterday? No, no. It was Saka and Pepe. Lacquer and Pepe, mm. wasn't it? Would you drop any of them? I'm oh, merit. No. It depends on fitness. We'll will come back in though. Yeah, fitness is key, Liam. I think you're right. Um, I think maybe Lacazette might get a rest. He only played 45 last night. So I don't know. It's a tricky one. I think 
you'll assess, won't you? Yeah, I think I'm with you on that, to be fair. I mean, it's quite nice to have this competition, really, because he's he's not just this automatic starter because Willian's fucking abysmal or anything <laughs> like that. Like, he's actually got to work... Because you can't drop Saka. He's too smart a footballer to drop. You need his intelligence. Pepe, Green. he's just played three blinding games in a row. We fucked him around far too much for really for us to drop him unless he's not fit enough to play. Yeah. And I'm not a big fan of Aubameyang down the middle. Isn't so worried. I'm not sure I'd drop him for Lacazette. Mm. It's a headache, but it's a good headache. They're great yeah. headaches to have. I don't remember I don't remember having a headache about team selections for quite some time. Unless you're deciding for who's shitter at the back, <laughs> I especially. Remember, I bet Wenger had some real headaches. Who should I play? Henri, Burkamp. Reyes. The options are endless. I was going to say, we're talking about Aubameyang as well, whether he gets inside. Top goal scorer, captain. We're talking about, does Aubameyang get inside? That can't be a bad thing to, to be talking about. I think we're so lucky to have someone like Saka. For someone of his age, he's unbelievable. And and it's it's finally great to get a tune out of Pepe. And although we are in 10th and there's a long, long way to go, things are looking mm. a lot better. And if you think how far we've come since since November, where... It was just dire every week. It was just abysmal across across the board. Like I said to you uh, before Christmas, I really didn't see how Arteta was going to turn this around. And mm. you know, whether you were Arteta in or Arteta out, you know, you can't knock him recently. And uh, you know, credit to him. And um, yeah, let's let's go again Saturday and try and get uh, three points. I think we'll leave it there, chaps. Um, absolute pleasure um, to have you on the show, Liam. Uh, we really you know appreciate you joining us on this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it as well. For those of you interested to hear more about Liam's opinions, you can find him regularly on the Ask Bros podcast, which is on all the usual platforms. But yeah, myself and Steve will be back just as a twosome uh, after Villa. So until then, uh, take it easy and we'll catch you after the bit again. See you later, boys. Bye.